0: In this uh, retreat, like at the beginning, when I said everything belongs, though so all that's happened and you've experienced, good or bad, what you wanted or haven't wanted is, it all belongs. I find this way of reflecting <coughs> and gives me a, a, a way of, of being, allowing life to be what it is rather than this this uh, kind of conditioned attitude of there's something wrong in it and I've got to make it right If I find this, if you really look at this this perception of there's something wrong with me or something wrong with you or wrong with the world or the monastery and I've got to make it right and then uh, that very perception uh Means that it increases this this uh, attitude of I am this body. These conventions are are real, and if they aren't perfect, if they aren't just absolutely at their best, then there's something wrong, and we've got to spend our life trying to make everything perfect or well, perfect myself and the logic that comes from that, then, of course, is leads to despair because it's like trying to sweep the streets of London clean with a toothbrush. You know, as soon as you manage to clean up a little bit and go on to the next, then it gets dirty again. So, I mean, it's, it's a hopeless task. <coughs> so when the recognize what we perfection is all inclusive rather than than the best. And this is a way of reflecting like this this moment is perfect as it is no matter how you're experiencing it so, even if you're absolutely miserable in pain and suicidal and that's perfect for this moment the, the moment you reflect on it in that way, but then you, you've got a perspective on it. You're no longer just kind of absorbed into your misery or the pain or the chaos of the world around you. And so, it's this ability to reflect gives us a way of of letting go of kind of freeing ourselves from the apparent reality that we that we're uh, that we tend to. Uh, regard is, as, as the real world, or the real self, real, what I really am. Then taking the Buddhist teachings, like uh, just this, this recognition of consciousness, that the, this is a conscious realm we're experiencing. Right now, they're all conscious. Vijnana, so that this, Consciousness is like this, and it, and you're you're not trying to to uh, well you can't kind of uh, you can be aware you can can acknowledge or recognize consciousness. It's quite empty, you know. It's not like it, but it, uh, the consciousness includes everything. So you within your field of consciousness at this moment, everything that there that is present. Belongs, <clears throat> and then, then with uh, identifying with the uh, rupa in the sanya sankara, then we we divide it up, it becomes my body, and uh, my feelings, my memories, my thoughts, my emotions, my opinions, my views, and then that. Then that arises in consciousness, but we don't. We we're not aware of the difference where there's just pure awareness and consciousness, and where there's consciousness that are, that is filled with ignorance, avidya. So this is this is what you can explore. You know, to to rec- to recognize to. Realize this itself. <clears throat> so consciousness has no, you know, quality to it other than a kind of than uh, being conscious, and it's uh, it's this, it's like this. But then, this by reflecting this way, it's like this. M- what happens to me, and then I I kind of open to that. I kind of thought, kind of in this intuitive sense not trying to figure it out anymore or find it but just recognize it you know like like the fish in the water is the fish who says what's water like and uh, and yet it's surrounding it going through the fish's body but it's so imminent that uh, we can you know we can be aware of that of each other more than of what is really a very strong reality of this present moment is consciousness also to try to define everything to feel you have to to sum it up with words and poly terms and and uh, definitions in order to feel secure about consciousness trust yourself in that consciousness is like this and it's it's a it's a sense of just presence it's a, it's a I, I always it's an intelligent presence it's not a kind of trance or stupid state, vacuous state and then the sense of a self put yourself into the consciousness now it's not really I am this body I'm 60 I'll be 68 this year Uh, I'm a man, I'm a Buddhist monk, I'm Ajahn Sumedho and I'm, and really you know, uh, bring yourself, you know, your self-views your uh, identities with your body, your feelings, emotions make them conscious but in a way that you you are observing them Uh, so it's with consciousness with awareness you're not just operating from ignorance and getting caught in the trap of just going around and around with this, in the cycles of your habits. But then you reflect these things, this sense of I'm Ajahn Sumedho, I'm a Buddhist monk, and all that, these things, these are, you know, conventionally, what they call conventional reality, but they don't hold, there's nothing that sustains itself in any of this. But when they drop, those perceptions drop. This sense of being conscious is still present. There's still awareness, conscious awareness, <coughs> and so this is what we call intuitive awareness or sattipanya, sati <coughs> So, this, if you cultivate this way, then you can. Get behind all the all the conditioning of your of your mind. You know you can you have a uh, you have a you're not just starting from ignorance or subtle forms of ignorance or assumptions, cultural attitudes or things that you know you just you're so you know you've never questioned, have never never seen through it. Like assumptions like there's something wrong with me or they pick up when you're a, a child or, you know the first few years of your life from, from parents, from peers and so forth, from ethnic uh, attitudes assumptions of your class or race and that is consciousness, awareness consciousness if you trust it then you're then you can get beyond, you can transcend the limitations of any kind of conditioning that you have acquired whether, you know, through infancy or through education or whatever. Then putting this in the context of the three fetters, first three fetters and stream entry, sodapanna, you know, like the sodapanna or the stream enterer is a as seen through these three fetters, no longer taken over, deluded, limited, distorting reality through these three fetters. Sakaya Ditti, which the personality view. I am my body. I am this person. My feelings, my thoughts, my likes, my needs, my dislikes my faults and so forth the whole sense of me and mine can be that's a created condition you weren't born with that that you acquired after you were born and already conscious <coughs> so that's very conditioned that's not let's say natural it's artificial kind of conditioning so, and it can be any which way that's why the, uh, you know the sense of yourself and yourself worse is is uh, you know so valuable from one person to another and people got really distorted you know really mad perceptions that they that they believe in and operate from you see with people that go crazy and fully committed to madness to perceptions that they're so Bound to, they distort every possible moment through these, uh, through these uh, uh, perceptions of themselves and the world around them that they're committed to believe in. But that's not really the way it is. Then Thilapattabhimasa in that category put every convention, cultural. Perception, religious tradition—you uh, know everything that is—is is, uh, social attitudes, all your kind of uh, heroes and ideals, and and these uh, you know, things that we really uh, bind ourselves to on the on the uh, conditioned realm, like our cultural background, our our ethnic identity, our religious tradition, uh, our view of Dhamma Vinaya. That can be Silapata Bahamata also, holding to a view about Dhamma and Vinaya. Or Theravada, Mahayana, uh, or Thai forest tradition, or any of these things. they, not, they These views aren't wrong. I mean, they're, they're not not to judge them but to recognize a view is a view in the way we hold we interpret uh, these through through our the conditioning of our mind rather than through reflecting through awakening and reflecting on the reality the real dhamma we we tend to think we understand dhamma through having acquired knowledge about it through reading scriptures so this is this is like empowering you to to trust in your in this intuitive sense you know, rather than in what a book says or what a teacher says or uh, you know where we we give our, our power away to others all the time I just made oh you really you're wise you know what I need in that way you're, you're kind of giving me your burden. You say, "Tell me what to do," then uh, because you you project onto me a sense that I'm I'm wise and you're not. And yet, in that very assumption, in that if you trust in your awareness of that, of how we we tend to see ourselves in these very limited ways, I'm you know I'm a mess. I'm not very wise. I'm uh, on a conventional level, this is my my how you know how it seems to us and how we interpret our experience. So this is we're trusting this innate awakened state, which you can always, you know, if you're willing to to accept the reality of it. You know, I'm not very wise. Ajahn Sumedho is very wise. He knows what's good for me when you really see that as, a, as an assumption you're making or an attitude you have then you're creating that that's your own creation isn't it? that's not the way it is that's not the reality of this moment that I'm wise and you're not it, it, that's just what you're creating into this present moment the assumption you're making so what is it that's aware of that what is aware of that Tendency to assume, I'm not wise, you are. Uh, you know, as you explore that, you, can, you begin to see how how much of your life you have have done that, just uh, operating through distortions of yourself, and that's why it is. we we suffer so much because we're always intimidated by others, or you know we we don't feel you know we always look at others and say. Uh, compare them with ourselves, compare ourselves with others. And uh, we, we're actually creating these perceptions, aren't we? I think that monk is, is really much better monk than I am. I'm creating that view out of ignorance, out of avicca, avicca, Sankara Bhajaya Vinyanang in the Bhattikya Samuppara. So, if ignorance is the is the basis, then it affects our conscious reality. How we see, how we, how we experience, what we experience through consciousness is distorted by that Avicaka. And then it ends up always as Sokaparite what payasa? Grief, sorrow, despair, anguish. So as long as this avijja is your base for operation, your modus operandi, the, the place you, you you've never gone beyond. You start from ignorance. You meditate, you're starting from avijja. You know, trying as hard as as dedicated and as determined as you are, if you never get beyond that basic ignorance, you know, then you'll be disappointed. You'll have paritema, you'll have grief and despair as a result. <coughs> this is a reflection just to see how, how the, the self-view in any way always, you know, it's just so unreal and so ephemeral and yet we assume the reality of it we're committed to such an such a delusion until we start questioning like, reflecting is this is this what am I doing what is this all about then the conventions we use uh, I, I, like say I'm from a very idealistic background, where you think in terms of how things should be, the ideals, of how there should be justice and freedom and love in the world, and evil shouldn't exist, people shouldn't hate each other, uh, and there shouldn't be war and violence, and I shouldn't uh, be selfish, I shouldn't... I should always, you know, I should be a, a man who's fair and just, unselfish, compassionate, mm. impeccable in conduct and understanding. <laughs> I should be like that. <laughs> so taken, uh, you know, on that level, this is, this is, this is, these are quite beautiful ideals, you know, so. But then, if that's, that's the basic, that's the kind of program that I start from, then there's always this sense of not being good enough. You know, that's why we, we so many of us Western people uh, have so much guilt, and we're so complicated, emotionally complicated, and Convoluted because it's just a struggle all the time with with these ideals we have and uh, the and the way we interpret the reality of this moment. So if you if you know if you, you should be, I shouldn't be selfish. I should be totally unselfish, and then suddenly I I have very selfish feelings. I get confused because you know emotionally I'm feeling very selfish and ideally I think I shouldn't I shouldn't be selfish and so it's just you feel I was judging I shouldn't I shouldn't be thinking like this I shouldn't feel like this I've got to get rid of these thoughts I'm really a mess you know I've really got to do something about myself get rid of this selfishness I found, you know, just in my own life, as a, it was rather very idealistic about non-violence. I was you know, like attracted to the Gandhian movement and this attitude of non-violence as an ideal. And so that's such a, a kind of beautiful ideal. Then I, I was uh, very much, you know, that would inspire me. You get really inspired by it, and then then I'd feel you know myself sometimes feeling violent, and then just not being able to admit it. You know, just suppressing those feelings, <coughs> and just trying to to pretend you know I wasn't feeling them as a kind of well, defense mechanism, these kind of words where you, you just don't admit it. There's a part of you that cuts off from it because it's, it's unacceptable. So then, as I became a Buddhist monk and this a way of mindfulness, then I started acknowledging, you know, these violent feelings and not, not, not putting them in a context of, of judgment, of, you know, I shouldn't have these, or these are bad, and I shouldn't have these feelings, but, but admitting them, allowing them to be conscious in this reflective way. They'll not act on it, but, or speak on it, but just recognize it's like this. And not make, you know, not, not shame myself for, for having Emotions that uh, I intellectually I despise, ideally my ideal, my idealistic mind looks down on and despises. Well, so, and this is then the, the confusion, the complexity d- falls away, doesn't it? You're not creating, a, you're not complicating the moment. You know, that's why we, we, we get so confused between the emotional program we, we're stuck with and the, and the maybe the very high-minded, idealistic uh, view of life that we subscribe to. Like in a monastery, isn't it? ideal of, I want this monastery to be, you know, perfect harmonious Sangha peaceful. And and I can idealize, you know, a perfect monastic, a perfect Buddhist monastery where we're all dedicated to the realization of nirvana and we're all, you know, practicing according to Dhamma Vinaya and we're all, you know, Reaching these stages and purifying the mind, and and there's harmony and wisdom operating. That's an ideal. And then uh, the reality, that's, that's uh, you know, the ideal's fine. It's, uh, that's the guiding star, that's high up. But the reality of here and now is like this. So then. The more we can embrace that reality allowing it to be what it is that that, that, the conditions as they arise in the present then more and more we actually are moving toward the ideal but as we as we uh, look up at the ideal and compare the present with the the way it is with, with an ideal of how it should be then we only get confused lose our way and we get stuck but then seela bar is just take that take the, this this term Pali term and you know put, use that for containing all the conventional uh, assumptions that you have and that you're using you know the 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 conventional Dhamma Vinaya, the the uh, Buddhism, uh, the the uh, cultural conditioning, the kind of superstitions or or cultural biases you have, you know, just see these in terms of Sakya ditthi Sila paramasa. So this this covers the all the conditioned realm really in terms of your own experience of it you, you know your own individual experience of, of life uh, in terms of the way you are the program that you have. then the, the third fetter uh, is with uh, doubt not knowing uncertainty. And so when you, when you, this is what, when you give up your, your sense of uh, you know, being a person and being, you know, the, the kind of stability of, of knowing I am this person and I am these conventions, you know, the, the things that we feel that give us uh, some kind of importance and some stability in this confusing realm, you know, I mean, then we, we get very confused, uncertain, even frightened, terrified, because like the world, you know, the world that seems so stable and certain and real for us suddenly is cracked, it's shattered. And some people get very terrified, you know, they're really frightening at first. I remember when, when the security of my world as a youth started, shattering, I became very frightened. Then well, My first reaction was to want to hold on, you know, put it all back together like Humpty Dumpty, you know. Try to fit it all the pieces together again. <laughs> <laughs> but all the king's horses and all the king's men <laughs> couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. So, the, the shattered world is, <laughs> got a, that's, you know, that's a, that's a sign, a good sign. But fear and terror, isn't it, that, that all comes into this not knowing. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know where I'm at. I don't have any, you know, I'm just totally confused. Uh, I don't know what to do next. It's very frightening. I'm like in the dark, I'm stumbling. Uh, And all this not knowing, uncertain, darkness. These are, you know, these are terrifying. We want the light on. We want to have clear directions, guidelines, principles. So, many people, you know, find somebody, a very strong leader, or a strong partner, or, you know, uh, dedicate themselves to something, you know, because it's too, too frightening to face the unknown, the uncertain, the mystery, and it's too, for most, most of us, it's so overwhelming that to give ourselves to something certain, a strong you know somebody tell me what to do it can make me feel alright so in this way the, you know like in terms of being a samana there is a the, 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 the community holds together doesn't, we've got the vinaya as a as an agreement on how we're going to live together and relate to the world around us and so that is uh, that's something that that gives us boundary in terms of action and speech we need that and if we don't have any boundary on behavior you know it's uh, it is anything goes you just just like a leaf in a storm nothing holds you down so in a, making a commitment in a monastic form is like it's, it's you're kind of holding yourself down you're putting yourself in a cage tying yourself to the stake is like breaking a wild horse isn't it? You, you, to break a wild horse you have to tie it up first till it calms down but then if we don't awaken then we, we, get, we identify the cage uh, with the cage we're in you know, we're afraid of it. We're afraid to go outside it. We become institutionalized. We become, uh, you know, bound and limited by the convention because we're not reflecting from it. We're merely holding to it. And, and we remember, we might have memories of, of how frightened we were before we got into the cage, where we tied, our, we're tied to the stake, and then the point of, of the of boundary and limitation is simplification, you know. So you you're not, you know, you have a, a kind of physical stability, you know, where you're actually committed to something. That is, uh, say, in a tradition like this, it's uh, it's not somebody's new idea. It's not a a new age kind of uh, fashion. It's not, you know, so we are, we're, we're not here to try to make it uh, into what we like, you know, trying to, oh, I, I'll become a Theravon and Buddhist monk or none but I want to change this, and I don't like that, and I want to make it like this, and I don't, and, and modify it like that. And, and we end up, you know, bending it always to, to fit what we think we need and want rather than reflecting on that using the very frustrations and, and inadequacies of the convention we're in for awareness, for awakeness. But then to identify with the convention is still avicha, bhajaya, sankhara. And so you become are strongly identified with Theravada, Thai forest tradition, Vinaya and all the rest. You, still, you're still stuck with the same, you know, you've maybe improved a bit in terms of the perceptions you're using, and you've, you've kind of raised the quality of the condition realm up a little bit, but you're, but the result's still Dukkha, because you haven't cracked through the avicap. I so recognise you can hold the with a and you see, there's a lot just strong views about things about the, you know, what the Buddha taught, and so on. <laughs> and the way that that academics or that can endlessly quibble over over things, you know, of that uh, positions, take positions, form opinions. So, the the point of the the of life, then, is to, is, you know, it's, a, it's an aid, it's a skillful means to see through a vicha. And that very act of seeing is vicha, you know, so it's immediate, it's not... Like you have to take a course in vicha studies, <clears> or <throat> well, I can tell you what it is, and you just Ajahn Sumedho defines vicha as this and this and, this and, this. and then you you've got, got it, you know. Now this is where you, this is an imminent act of trust. You start from awareness, from the empty still point, which is uncertain and unknowing, isn't it? It's not. You can't. When your desire mind, you know, it's like, what is it? You know, I can't find it. What she talking about? If you trust in the awareness of just your own not knowing, confusion, or whatever you're feeling at this moment, it's like this. Whatever I'm feeling at this moment is like this. So that awareness is... is embracing isn't it it's, but it's not criticizing Criticize, you say I shouldn't feel if, it's, if you're feeling something you don't like then you, you add something more to it I shouldn't feel like this I don't want to feel like this but if you begin to trust in the just uh, allowing whatever feeling physical emotional whatever to be the way it is how do you do that So then there's uh, unknowing, vichikita, doubt. These, these three fetters, you know, they kind of connect with each other very well. It's all about conditions that we're attached to. Thought itself, when you think a lot, you're going to doubt a lot. So when you try to figure it all out, uh, you'll end up maybe I've got it wrong <laughs> uh, so doubting the chikichar is is like this not knowing feeling confused uncertain like this and so then the embracing that feeling of not knowing when many of us have been highly programmed to resist that, you know, if I don't know something I've got to find the answer, right now. So, it, not knowing also is a way of of recognizing the world is uncertain. This conditioned realm that we, you know, like this earth, the ground beneath us and the planet and the, the you know, the the dwellings that we live in. We like to feel there. We like to feel a solidity, like this temple, you know. We built it the last thousand years. The foundations under it, there's tons of cement that this temple sits on. (laughs) Big oak posts and beams and thick walls, (laughs) fortress-like. And uh, it it gives a sense of You know, strength and stability. But basically, but actually, the, the, this realm is very uncertain and, you know, you can see just how, how, uh, you know, nature always has its way of letting us know, you know, that all our investments in security can easily be just taken away overnight. So your your strength comes in in awareness and wisdom rather than in say bricks and mortar or having everything right, neatly packaged and spelled out and in you know nicely presented and and affirmed by the authorities and approved of by all the important people and so forth you know that sense of yourself as being a worthy person and and being capable and lovable and all that is, as you know, that always trying to find that from outside, or have certainty, certitude, and guarantees. You see, when you get behind that desire and need for that, that very awareness of it, trust in that. So. Uncertainty, then doubt, anicca dukkha nata. Though so re- we're relating to these now through intuitive awareness, rather than through definition, through 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 trying to conceive it and define and and create a a, a false certainty, through having a nice neat package that we we kind of cling to desperately. So it is scary in in this way, you know, emotionally not knowing, uncertainty, taking risks, going into the unknown, the, the dark, the abyss, the black hole, these are frightening images. And yet, these are the. This is the more you open to that, to the unknown, the dark, the the uncertain, the mystery, then you realize there's nothing to fear, because the fear comes out of thinking about all that. Oh, I'm afraid of the dark. I, I, I feel you know, I just feel so, so utterly confused and so. Uh, Frightened by not knowing things. I mean, I want. I want to have clarity. I want to have guidelines. I want to have certainty. I want to feel safe. I want to feel, you know, that uh, everything's all right. And uh, and I can't do it myself. I mean, you know, I, I need this from somebody else. I need affirmations. I need uh, physical situations. I need material. Uh, uh, objects to make me feel safe and secure. As these these kind of fears and doubts arise you know, the listener the one who's, who's who knows this is not the same as the fear or the anxiety, is it? You begin to separate the two, discern the difference between the, that, that sense of, I need certainty, I need, I need uh, affirmation, I need to know who I am, I need approval, I need safety, to that which is aware of that, which has no name, you can't, you can't, you can only be that, rest in it, relax into, awareness into the pure presence' but like in uh, Christianity people have this strong sense of the presence of God isn't that's what they're doing I assume isn't that they have a strong sense or faith in the pure presence of God that's one way of putting it isn't it in in Christian terms? In our tradition, we get, we get confused because this word self gets in the way all the time. Because we're, like in Theravada, there's no self. And we tend to cling to that view of no self, no God, and that kind of that, those assumptions we make. But these are only words, you know, they're these are created perceptions, but in the reality of this moment, you know, you, you're trusting in the pure presence. You needn't call it anything. It doesn't belong. You know, it doesn't need a name. If you just trust it, and to trust it, you have. If you, you know, you need to open and feel it, know it, be with it. And be patient, because you're not conditioned for that. You're conditioned to become a person, to become your personality. So you get, you know, you get very confused and restless, and it seems impossible on a personal level. But this is where I keep I- encouraging this trust that, that you in the, this sati sampattanya well, in Christianity, what gets confusing is that God becomes the perception of God gets in the way also, because they come, you de- they define it endlessly, they anthropomorphize, they, <coughs> they make it, you know, God into Trinity, and and it becomes so complicated, you get this patriarchal God, and you know, the kind of that you can't help but rebel against when you're a teenager. No, I mean, don't let the words become the, you know, they're they're just expedient means. They're not ends in themselves. They're not, do you believe, you know, Christians like to ask, do you believe believe in God? And, and you know, as if, what do you mean by that, you know? They assume that what their belief is, we all we all either believe or disbelieve. There is an assumption about God, and that assumption hasn't been questioned, hasn't been, been you know, seen. They merely operate from, uh, I believe in God, and then the assumptions you make are from that position. And then then if you don't believe in it anymore, then you I don't believe in God. A bunch of rubbish, opiate of the people. (laughs) So, I'm just reflecting from how every convention, you know, in itself, is uh, has its limitations. If we if we don't use it for awakening and awareness, then we we get bound into it, limited and and restricted into being, becoming some kind of idea, what we think a a good Buddhist should be, or a good Christian should be. So, in this awakening, in this pure presence, is reality, to me, it's real, and knowing, it's powerful, it sustains itself. It's not created by m- my desires, by my ideas. So what is it? What do you want to call it? Well, the unconditioned? Good enough. <laughs> or the deathless? Or I can even call it God now. I mean, you know, brought up as a Christian, but that's not like a convention that I that I teach through. <laughs> I have no problems with the words anymore because it's, uh, you know, it's, that's, the words aren't really, you know, where where we bind ourselves to the words, believe in the words themselves, and, and we're bound endlessly having to defend our position or reject it. When the advisor says, I am that, or the, you know, there's, they use the this sense of i am as a as a kind of focus to get beyond it so i mean it's these are these are using conventions of uh, the various systems have developed but the point really is in the awakened reality but so in this uh, retreat so far, you know, personally I didn't want to get sick and uh, (laughs) I don't like this flu or whatever it is, is uh, most unpleasant uh, physically and uh, I was hoping this would never happen (laughs) and but that's the way it is, isn't it? It's perfect. Everything belongs. So uh, you know, this is how we really begin to to flow in our practice, where the practice has a con- continuity. Where if you you see practice in limited terms of sitting on your zafu and and doing very formal techniques, then it's very fragmented. You know, practices in the temple. Uh, but not in the vihara or in, in the kitchen or whatever it is so then you, you, see, you see you get this idea that the real ones are, the real practice is when you're sitting in the temple and uh, but when you're in the kitchen that's not that's not real practice you just kind of put up with that and do it kind of, kind of as an offering and duty and so forth so then the uh, idea of practice is so fragmented you know that you, you know, this is what we do with our lives that everything becomes compartmentalized and the life it always has this kind of sense of being disrupted no flow to it so in terms of and that's because we 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 bind ourselves to we've, we've got these views that that hold to a certain thing and that which doesn't fit into that is somehow, you know, we feel threatened or antagonistic or, you know, we don't respect that either. Where the attitude then of awareness allows the flow, you know, the the sickness, the snotty nose, the the hoarse voice, the disruption, the the disappointment of not getting what I want, and all this, it belongs rather than thinking of it in terms of, oh, it's disrupted the retreat, and, it, and, and, uh, one way I, I could, you know, see it as some kind of, see it in very negative terms. Now this, this takes the kind of continuous willingness to to investigate, you know. So that you really, you know. I don't mean this to, to make you compulsive about it. But, but this is a sense of trusting. Sometimes we need to, to just let go and hang loose, because we, we, we grasp these ideals too much, and then we get too intensely trying to, you know. Where even doing the dishes becomes a intense practice of mindfulness that we, we've, got, we've got a fixed view about how we should do it and, and then we, uh, uh, we we can make that into another kind of obsessive mm. driven activity rather than a sense of relax, of joyousness of, of uh, presence of being at ease with life making it and allowing the monastic life to be a life that is that gives us pleasure, that is delights us, that we we love rather than as an intense experience of denial and restriction and limitation and hard work and striving and going on like that. And thought if you determine to live the monastic life And how can we live this life so we really enjoy being monks and nuns? So then our, our practice is coming out of the joy of being rather than out of this compulsive need to try to set everything in order, get everything right. And then the devotional side, the bhakti side becomes more evident in how we relate to each other in the monastery or the world we live in. But like religious communities can be very joyful or they can be just intensely kind of dedicated towards misery and to make everything as miserable as possible. <coughs> any time you feel happy it's because you you know you feel guilty about it mm. if you, you know if you enjoy your food uh, oh you're not a good nun you should always see your your food as as vomit <coughs> it as horrible as possible mm. then it's a good nun isn't it a good monk nun they do that mm. so these are ideals but this uh, from the life is it's not a denial of beauty or pleasure but of getting perspective on it and so like monastic life is a lot of joy in it it's a potent, but because it's coming from emptiness. Uh, you know that's its point: is to not to create an institution, kind of morbid institution of miserable-looking monks and nuns who constantly kind of trying to purify themselves and get rid of their desires, but of sangha of people. Living in a way that's, that's beautiful and re- worthy of respect, it's a joyful life and has great benefits for both the individual and the society. Because whether you realize or not, this, is a, this monastery, Amaravati, is like a gift to this society, and then it's uh, to to Britain. You know, we're living in this country, the gift. I told the Thais, it's like foreign aid. (laughs) (laughs) But of the highest quality. (laughs) 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 So, (laughs) uh, Americans were giving cruise missiles to Britain a few years ago. (laughs) Uh, you know quite impressive weapons but it's not really of the highest quality is it of foreign aid where this is so then uh, the recognize that it does operate on it has so much goodness to it that but uh, it is a I see we're we're helping we're our presence in this country is 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 one of bringing something beautiful something lovely into this society rather than some religious cult that's going to try to convert the society and and kind of make more divisions and more problems for, for Britain Reflecting on these, just these, these three fetters, and then, you know, this this path, this awareness, is not anything remote. You know, it's a, there's not like stream entry or something is so, such a high attainment that it, and so, uh, so kind of, you know, such hard work. And you, when you start thinking about it, then it. It becomes complicated, and but it's a, it's learning to trust in something very simple, in that which is here and now, in a, in awareness, and breaking down these these distortions that we're very attached to, not tri- rejecting them, not you know, trying to annihilate them, but just see through it, see the way we grasp and hold to conditioned phenomena to sakya to silapattabha uh, to vichikecha in which we, we just totally, we confuse ourselves endlessly on the conditioned realm it just overwhelms us all the time till we can get this perspective on it.